wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with West Worship and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. This is the Sons of Saturday podcast, and I'm your host, Pete B. You know my co-host, Rob. Rob, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, not not great from the game, but I'm I'm having a good week, man. So uh, we're we're getting to the tail end of it, and uh, I'm not relieved, but there's a little bit of uh, weight being lifted off my shoulders uh, after it's, you get yeah, after you every get year, man. Eleven weeks into recording, and uh, it takes it takes a toll on you. It it really does, and I I think I was talking to my wife or somebody like ten days out from the UVA game is like when I hit that point where I'm just like, Oh my gosh, we got two games left. And it depends on how the season's going too, yes. in terms of like how it's wearing on you. But Virginia tech did lose to NC state 35 to 28. Why don't you give us a cheers and we'll get going on this podcast. Cheers to um, the team, not giving up. So how about that? They, they uh, it was not a great, performance where you're going to go through some of the challenges that the team had uh, on both sides of the ball. And, uh, but I was, I was surprised they got it back to a touchdown game. I thought there were places that they really could have let that thing go. So, you know, cheers to kind of sticking with it and, and seeing the game through. Cheers. Do you like that tall glass of black I'm having Whoa. here? <laughs> Whoa, and is it, that a it, Coke or it, a Guinness? It, it is in a Guinness glass, but I'm just using it as a stout glass because it's it's a holiday stout, which I will Ooh. talk about a little bit later because we are nearing Thanksgiving. We're recording a night early. We're doing Tuesday night because Thanksgiving on, is on Thursday, and if we put this out any later in the week, no one's going to listen to it. So <laughs> we got to get it out. may not listen to it anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> got to get it out as soon as possible. Uh, let's start with just a couple of basketball notes as we have the last couple of weeks. The men's team beat Wofford 98 to 76. Kid had 20 points and continues to look great ever since I interviewed him in the offseason. Ever since <laughs> you, you, you are, you, you're just the lucky charm, I guess, you know, it's, I guess so. I guess when he stood next to me, he just felt like a, a better man and, <laughs> and <he's, laughs> it's translated to the court. He was eight for eight on his free throw. So he had the 20 points, but a big man making his free throws. You always like to see that Padula had yeah. 19, Kador had 17, Nickel had 14 and you know, 98, we had a hundred not too long before that. So yeah. the team's offensive output and efficiency has looked pretty good it's the defense again that seems to be a sore spot we're going to learn a lot about this team coming up because we play boise state on 
Thanksgiving night at 8 p.m. on ESPN2. So make sure after you've had your post-dinner nap, you're ready to watch some Hokie Hoops because it's the ESPN Events Invitational down in Florida. And then we'll play one of Iowa State or VCU on Friday. And then there's either the third place or the championship on Sunday. So there's a bunch of games coming up, but it doesn't end there because there's Auburn. We're going to Auburn on the 29th. And then we have an ACC game against Louisville on the third. So it's starting to get going here, man. Real quick. uh, Things got serious very fast. Uh, That's awesome on Thursday. You will have already been drinking. You will already have eaten, gone comatose. And now you can kind of catch your second wave of, of a booze evening with, uh, with the Hokies. And the, the game's going to feel like a fever dream. Yes. <laughs> like, with a little bit of wine, a little bit of trip to fan. You're not going to really know what you're watching. It's just Lynn Kidd and Padula <laughs> running down the court. Uh, but yeah, the women, on the other hand, have kept winning since the Iowa game as well. Well, not on the other hand. Both teams are winning. A little bit different ways of going about it because the women absolutely destroyed one of the teams they played, I forget the name of that one, but the most recent game was UNC Greensboro, and Kitley had 31-10, and 10, and she's she's just so darn good. And Amor, too. Like they, I think Amor in the other game kind of went off, but I haven't, I haven't really done the tearing in to b-ball quite yet, other than watching the games themselves. Right. But if you want coverage on that, Ed and Mike McDaniel are doing a tremendous job on the Sons of Saturday channel with all the Hokie Hoops pods. They'll get you up to date on both teams. Love it. Okay, Rob, are you ready for some playoff ranking reaction? Because they just came out about a half hour ago. Wow. And you'll notice that Washington has moved into number four. As we <sighs> thought might happen last week, it happened this week. I know. I wished it into uh, into existence. If only I could wish a win to Virginia Tech's existence. <laughs> uh, yeah, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Washington with Ohio State and Michigan playing this upcoming weekend. Yeah. What yeah, a I, show. It's going to be great. The, the game is going to be awesome, probably stressful. But were you – has your mind changed at all on how that game will play out based on what Michigan did this past weekend and how they've looked without Harbaugh? I think my mind is starting to change as Ohio State has started to really roll now. I think that's where my mind is maybe starting to change. I I think it it's going to be a very good game. I think this is going to be a fourth quarter kind of, you know, close game right to right to the to mm-hmm. the end. And um mostly because I think Ohio State has elevated and some may be questioning, you know, Michigan at this point without Harbaugh in the distractions off the field. It's not just Harbaugh, it's the distractions of all of this. There's no way to tune that out with how much commentary has been going on with this this shit show that, that they've uh, really, you know, that has come to light, I guess is the mm-hmm. best way to put it. So uh, I guess maybe Michigan coming down a little bit, Ohio State coming up, but I, I would peg them, you know, pretty much equals, right, going into the game this weekend. So the line is Michigan three and a half. And you don't, the sign stealing stuff, that has that affected the way you perceive Michigan? Do you think 
them potentially not having Ohio State signs affects the way you think about the game? Oh, no. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't think so. I just was curious. No. Uh, I, I do have concerns that Harbaugh just not being on the sidelines is doesn't maximize their ability. I, I, I mean, I feel like a coach as good as Harbaugh has an effect on game day and, and merely taking him out. You can't just dismiss it. Uh, the, but I would have said maybe a month ago, Michigan wins by seven or 10. Right. Now I'm debating on whether I should take Ohio State in the hook. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the All of this ends up being commentary after the game. If Michigan doesn't win or if they don't look um, they don't look on point. Everybody's going to say it was because Harbaugh wasn't there. If they do, then it's going to say, "Oh, the players really got up and played for Harbaugh." You know, it'll be. It doesn't right. matter. It's all hindsight is twenty twenty bullshit anyway. We we have no clue. But I do. You you have to put some value on having Harbaugh on that sideline, and 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 similarly detract some value by him. You know, not not being there, mm-hmm. and the distractions have to have to take a little bit of your your edge off so i I, that's part of my calculus and thinking that this is a really squared up matchup the three and a half quite honestly seems a little bit big i i couldn't pick this game one way or the other honestly i really hope that it's not a tight game because i do not want this if there's a little bit of chaos i do not want both of these teams getting in that that's what as just a college football playoff and college football fan I don't want to see both Michigan and Ohio state in there because then like, what's the point of this game? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, and the scenario you're talking about is either Florida state or Washington taking an L. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that it could happen to Georgia, but I don't think we really are, are counting on that. The, you would, you would probably see Florida state or, or Washington taking the loss and then Ohio state and Michigan both getting in. Right. And because that is a disaster. We'll move to the ACC teams now. And and this is where the ACC is not getting any respect. Florida, the worst ranked undefeated P5 team. Louisville, the worst ranked one loss P5 team. NC State, the worst ranked three loss P5 team. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, only, the only thing that gave the ACC any respect is that Clemson is in this ranking. And I mm-hmm. said on Monday that I thought Clemson might have deserved to be ranked in the AP and they were maybe three or four spots out, but the committee did put them in here because there's no JMU and there's no Toledo in yep. this ranking. And so we've got Tulane as a G5 at number 23, and we got Liberty as a G5 at number 25. And if we want to just talk about the New York Six for a minute, the highest ranked G5 gets in the New York Six. Well, Liberty has a real shot because Tulane's yep. got to play UTSA this weekend, mm-hmm. and then they got to play the AAC championship game against probably SMU. Yeah. And so and SMU's it, rolling. It, it, SMU's playing well, but like SMU's not in this poll. So like if yeah. SMU beats Navy and then they beat Tulane, will they hop Liberty if Liberty's undefeated? Because Liberty has UTEP who stinks, but then they have New Mexico State, Jerry Kill, who has like an eight and three or nine and three team right now. So it, it's gonna be fascinating to see who comes out of the G five in the next couple of weeks. I think if Tulane takes a loss, I think Liberty controls its own destiny at that point. I think it's going to be very hard for somebody to to leap them up because if they rattle off another you know another win, Tulane takes a you know a, a loss, you're probably going to see them like right around twenty. Yeah, it, it, because other teams are going to catch losses. You're correct. Saying. Like, yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Just just by the very nature of 
And for people who aren't watching on YouTube, you, you'll see that Mizzou is in, in front of Louisville. So you've got a two-loss Mizzou in front of a one-loss Louisville. And I, I've kind of liked Mizzou all year. I know you have too, so I don't have yeah. a big problem with that. They, they probably are better than Louisville, but like, if I'm a Louisville fan, I'd be like, what the heck? Well, yeah. the answer to that is don't lose to Pitt. <laughs> that is that is exactly what the, uh, the don't. That's a yeah. That is not a good loss. Let's put it no, way. it's 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 one of the if not the worst loss on the board. It's it's one of them. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the depth chart injury update for Virginia Tech. Stroman was kind of laboring in the game, as was Fuga. Kelly Lawson left the game with an injury, and he is questionable for this week. Other players that had blue non-contact jerseys were some of the safeties. We had Peoples, we had Stroman, we had Jones, and then Canteen and Phillips were running with the ones in their place. And so I'm hoping one or all of those safeties are back. Like at least, I mean, we want Stroman back, obviously. We want Peoples back. Those are our starting guys. But as many of them that I can get is what I'll take. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I, I don't think it's just want them back. I think I think we really could need them back um, in in what we just saw in the outing this past this past weekend. The the, the defense is susceptible, uh, mm-hmm. and I think we've seen that. Um, so I, I I'm not saying we have to be full strength, but we got to be pretty darn close. Um, yeah. In, in in this matchup coming into the weekend. Pick them leaders. Some spread, huh? Still in front, 74 and 46. He is five wins in front of Tech Triumph and Hokey Hustler. And so some spread is it's looking pretty good. I don't know how many weeks we're gonna go. Like if mm. we'll we'll if we'll probably do championship game weekend. It's up to ESPN, not me. I'm just I yeah. haven't looked at like what the final week is, but I would imagine it's championship game week. So we got two more weeks left essentially so hold on some spread hunt is looking he's looking pretty good he just just don't have a two and eight week and no we good to go i did want to mention friday night lights the event at tots this past friday yeah it was really fun and it was kind of just one piece of what went on all weekend because my wife and i stopped at jmu thursday night to break up the drive and we had that plan long before game day was ever going to be in town but it worked out really well because we woke up we met up with Dan from Tales of the Terror Dome. We watched the Pat McAfee show, like the first mm. hour, hour and a half with Kurt Signetti, the coach of JMU was on there. They had some other people roll through. Pat McAfee eviscerated the NCAA for, for virtually the entire thing. Yep. Had no qualms, even being on ESPN, you know, mm-hmm. proud partner of, of a lot of the things the NCAA does. He was just ripping them a a new one. So that was really fun to see. And the crowd was fantastic. Uh, And it was a great weekend for JMU. They did not get the win. No first app state. And we had talked, didn't didn't we say like, it's a lot of pressure. (laughs) It is a lot of pressure. And and my wife was like, app state always pulls those types of upsets. And I said, well, listen, JMU app state has become a rivalry that Mm -hmm. game because they have been um, going up against each other at the conference below uh, for so long. So that's become a really big game. But yes, it still was, you know, an upset given how Jamie's season has played out this year. I got a little sidetracked because they started with Friday Night Lights because Dan was the first person I saw that weekend. But on Friday night, you know, I saw Barrick and Clark and and Devin who co-hosted the pod with you mm-hmm. uh, several years back. Yep. 
Fritz. There was a, a guy named Andy, a guy named Brendan, just people that were listeners of the pod that came up and said, you know, I love what you and Robbie do. You got to get Robbie down here next time, all that kind of stuff. People were, were asking for you. Uh, some other names, Andrew and Sarah Boleyn, I saw at the tailgate. Just happened oh. to see them walking through Litton Reeves. We hung out for a bit. I always seem to run it. Whenever they're at a game, I usually end up seeing them. I think I got just about – oh, and, of course, Hokey Hack, who is a is a caller. I, I kept seeing Hack everywhere I went. Really? Whether it was at Tots, it was in the parking lots, it was in the stadium. Like, I'm in the south end zone. I'm walking to get, like, a beer or something. There he is. Like, <laughs> just, I just kept seeing him. And you're going to hear him in the calls as you do normally every week. So it was a fantastic weekend. And if – oh, and I also hung out with Andrew Alex from the Hokey Hangover pod oh, yeah. at Champs. Happened to see him. He's kind of a recognizable guy with the – the jet of uh, colored hair. <laughs> He's yep. got his, his red, red hair and uh, spotted him. We chatted for a long time and, and had a good convo. Brian Holbrook, who is always commenting on Twitter and uh, a listener of the pod for a long time, chatted with him a lot. And we actually talked a lot about just like the team makeup. And he was just like, man, if we could just get a center and we could move Kate over to guard. And we like, he was, yeah, he was going through all the meat and potatoes of everything, which I love, you know, and yeah. he's the one that's always been going back and forth with us about talent problem, coaching problem kind of stuff. Yes. So it's, it was a lot of fun to see so many people. And I was with a ton of my friends celebrating my friend Emmy's birthday. So all of us just had an absolute blast. And and today is actually my friend Nicole's birthday, who you, you know, Rob. Yep, so it's kind of a, both of them. Yeah. You, you've, you've been at some of those celebrations over the years. So yeah. Great weekend in the Berg, great weather. I wish the game had gone better, but let's get into that game recap. 0-0 through the first quarter. Starting in the second quarter, NC State scored five touchdowns on five straight possessions. Yes. It was 21-7 to at the half, and 21 alone uh, was disappointing with the way NC State's offense had looked all year. Yeah. But it got to 35-14 to before we finally put up a couple more scores. Felton had the 42-yarder. He added another another one later to cut it to 35 to 21. And with a minute 40 left, we scored with the pass to Gosnell to make it a one score game. But it, it to me, it never really felt like we were going to come back and it ended 35 to 28. Is that how you yeah. were feeling? It it felt it felt dead even before that a little bit. It just it seemed like a bridge too far in, in the way that our offense was operating and their defense was 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 operating in in the way that our offense chose to go which we'll get into the details of but i would agree we were down 14 it looked closer i look at this as kind of a 14 point loss i know it was seven points on the board but um that that's how it felt yeah yeah well let's get to the best part of the pod and that is the calls hey too deep i'm uh kind of worried here i have a sneaking suspicion that someone needs to check on robbie's fish I'm hurting this Sunday. I am hurting. It feels like 2012, 2014, and 2015. Yeah, does it feel like uh, Groundhog Day? Is this just life? Do we always have to go into the UVA game having to win it? This is our Super Bowl. This is the game they care about. Can't we just, just go in there and cruise? No, we gotta, we got to save the season. That's what we intend to do because <laughs> we do it all the time. But you know what? We're going to bring a lot of Hokies. We're going to turn the Fontaine lot into Chicken Hill North. And we're just going to have a fun time. Why not us? No Hokies. If you were listening to the beginning of those calls, you heard the mention of Robbie's Fish. Hopefully you heard last week's episode when Robbie explained 
the sick fish that his daughter has in his bedroom. What's the update on the fish? The fish is alive. This <laughs> thing. So <laughs> I can't make this up. The fish, the fish outlast our ACC hopes. Evidently, we think that it has um, like a fish bloat or something like that, which is basically like fish constipation from eating too much, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is actually very deadly uh, for fish. So she has been giving the fish uh, daily Epsom salt baths, which is supposed to be a laxative for fishes. I can't make this up. Okay, so she did it last night. She takes the fish out, does it. She like pours the water out and then drops the fish back in. The fish proceeds to sink all the way and then like land on top of, we have like one of those little caves, you know, in the fish tank. It just lands on the top of like the coral cave and then just tips over and just lays on its side for like the next six hours. It, didn't, it just, it is, it's, you can just barely see its lungs breathing. I don't, I, it feels like torture. Right. I can't take it anymore. I don't know what to, if we've thought about, we're like, what's a humane way to kill the fish at this point? Do we like just leave it out of the water and just mm -hmm. let it like, you know, buried it, in the I backyard? I, bury it flush it down the toilet again smash it with the hammer uh, idea i don't know it's still alive as of one hour ago we checked on well, it before you put my daughter to bed well maybe that fish was not a metaphor for our acc hopes but for our bowl hopes oh no that is that could be it um I guess, I guess we'll know on Saturday. So uh, it'll be like in the movies, like when the, you know, the person like dies at the same time that like something else in the movie happens, like the mm -hmm. timing, like all coincides and the person's like last gasp of breath is at like the time something else in the universe is occurring. That's exactly what's going to happen. Um, Gosh, but either that or maybe it starts swimming around as soon as you know but Bashal runs in a winning score so yeah it, it's either that or it takes a massive dump and all of a sudden it's better all of the all of the the bloat that it has and uh it's just it's a nightmare it's so bad I don't i'm know. sure no one wants to hear any more about the fish but i personally thought it was hilarious so hey, wanted yeah, to squeeze that in there if you want to call the reaction line you can hit us up it's 540-251-2169 during the uva game to give us all of your reactions next week robbie will give you a final update on that fish i hope it's, i hope it's the final update please god uh all right, 2D Pokies Under the Influence is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. I said it at the top of the show, they sponsor this podcast, and they've been around since 1980. It's a local, family-owned and operating business, and we love to support a business like that. They offer full service, major and minor repairs. They can fix your engine. They can rebuild your transmission. They do oil changes, state inspections, diesel repair, fleet service, everything. They also sell tires perfect for the winter, and they have that optional pickup and drop-off if you just can't get to the shop from work. So head to McCoy's Auto Repair for all of your vehicle maintenance needs or give them a call, 540-639-2933. Number is right on the screen, 540-639-2933, and you can also find them on Facebook. Just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. What was your story of the game, Rob? Um, I said, going into the game, 
I was interested to see how we attacked this defense. I think we talked about that. What I didn't expect to see was us throwing it 30 times and then running it 16 times in the game. The 16 number was very low in my uh, takeaway. That, That was far and away kind of my biggest takeaway of this game. Was just that the offensive identity wasn't there. Yeah, it never clicked. It never came together. It, it, it. I actually think that Kyron Jerones took a step forward, a leap forward in this game. Surprisingly, I know that sounds weird to say, but I think. Oh yeah, I want to. I want to hear some expansion on that a little bit later. Yeah, but uh, otherwise, it just seemed seemed strange. My story was that the VT defense stunk, mm-hmm. and NC State was just the m- much better overall team like legitimately just team because going into that game, we thought the offense would struggle because their offense has struggled most of the season, whether it was Brendan Armstrong, at quarterback or MJ Morris, a quarterback. Well, they didn't show any signs of struggling. I mean, maybe the first quarter for a bit, we were able to hold them down. Yeah. But when you score five touchdowns on five straight drives, there's not much struggle there. And I thought we did, just about everything we couldn't do and everything wrong that we shouldn't have in terms of coverage, in terms of gap fits for those two quarters that they put up all of those points. Yeah. Let's start with, um, since you mentioned the drones thing, let's start with our offense. Yeah. Because I kind of railed on the defense on Monday. Like that was kind of my, my bigger first reaction was Mm -hmm. that, gosh, the defense just didn't give us a chance. But you could make the argument that 35 yards on our first four drives and scoring very quickly with one play kind of hung our defense out to dry. Yeah, that 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 gasses people. Um, to, to your point, we talked about how many plays each team, each team ran uh, a week prior in that, in that BC when the script got flipped. So yeah. they ran 66 plays. We ran 46 plays, 20 more plays. I mean, that is 33 ish percent more plays than, than we ran is incredible. That is a huge number and discrepancy. And that's because we were one for seven on third down. It came, it came back again and it ate us alive. We were yeah. you know one for seven and, um, it, we never could establish the run. Um, you know, it started with, Kyron Jones running for his life again and having to get out of the pocket, which totally caused things to break down. And we never found the rhythm of getting the ball to Tootin or uh, Thomas or, or anybody. Um, and we ended up, Jones ended up 17 for 30 with 225 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. You know, two of those touchdowns came late uh, and he rushed for 51 yards and that led the team. 51 yards um, of all the running back or people that ran the ball, 51 yards. And um, Xavier Turner Bradshaw had 47. That was all in one play. <laughs> right. So it, it was really, yeah, take that off the board. And I'm not discrediting the play and the play call. It was an amazing play. But in terms of showing what the performance was for the day, that is an anomaly stat that I take out of the rushing performance. And it, it was piss poor uh, all, all day outside of that one run. And we had mentioned, you, you t- talked about the plays, the past attempts, and I had specifically mentioned 
if we get above 25 pass attempts, it means the run's either not working or we're not attempting to establish it or we're having to come back from a big deficit was the third one I didn't even mention, but all of them came into play and just two carries for Tootin was the thing that really stands out when you look at this sheet and one carry for Thomas, there was maybe another couple touches in there, but you should have those two guys with three carries on the first four drives alone before Mm -hmm. even NC state got up at all. Yeah. We should have had those guys with more than three carries because that's all they had for the game combined, our 1A and our 1B. And I know some of it is drones has the ability to to give or take on some of those options, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And he took. He did take a few times. But like, so maybe you give two, so three carries? So yeah. we're going to go with three carries. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we, we never tried. And I know we did get down, but we didn't start down. There was a no. whole quarter that it was zero zero. And then, you know, we were down seven, nothing. We were down 14 to seven. Like there were opportunities to give Tootin the ball. There, there was some situational stuff because we scored on one play and I, I get, I get all of that, mm-hmm. but it's just, that's, I think treadmill horse said it on Twitter. Like that's malpractice. Yeah. He's, I don't know if he's banged up. I kind of don't think he's banged up because he looked pissed off during the game on the sideline. So like, you can't do that. He's our yeah. best player, basically. Like, you can't yes. do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so everything you said is accurate. When we did get down and we started to have to pass the ball, uh, Drones threw some nice passes in this game. He, he mm-hmm. threw some from the pocket. I think his pocket presence towards the end of the game was a lot more aware. Uh, we hadn't seen a lot of him throwing uh, from there. Most of his throws really throughout the season have been on the run uh, and him being mobile in the backfield. So um, I, I thought that he had an okay day for having to throw the ball 30 times when that is certainly not a strength of his. I thought Felton uh, continued to make his presence felt uh, seven catches, 87 yards. He had two touchdowns like the one you that you mentioned lane had four catches for 66 yards. So uh, the, for Taking, yes, we should not have been running so little and passing so much. For having passed as much as we did, it looked okay. I thought it could have looked a lot worse is is kind of my takeaway on how they executed what they decided to go with. I don't agree with them actually going that direction, though. Yeah, out of necessity later in the game, drones and the wide receivers were absolutely able to do some things that made it look a lot more respectable. And you could say, well, NC State took their foot off the gas, which they did. They absolutely mm-hmm. did to a point. They're trying to, to kill the clock and get out of there. But we scored. Like, we we moved the ball. We had a 10-play drive. The funny part is the other scoring drives were like one play, yeah. two plays, four plays, and then there was a 10-play drive in there. But yep. you're right. There were some nice throws. At this point, when you're down by like that and it looks like you're going to lose the game anyway, yep. I almost want to get drones throwing the football to give yep. them some reps in that yep. regard. I'm not saying I'm trying to use the game as practice because there was a chance we could have came back as little as low as percentage as that was. But he had 276 total yards at the end of the game and three touchdowns. Yep. He had the one pick, which came in between a couple of touchdowns. But the the, the final numbers looked a lot better than they could have. Correct. And that's a credit to the guys not giving up and keep going out there and fighting. And so I, that I will take away 
as a positive from what was an, an otherwise kind of miserable day. Yep. And that brings me to the defense. And, and the start for the defense was okay. And the other okay thing is that we got eight tackles for loss, which I still don't know where all of those were because I didn't, I didn't see them. Uh, and maybe they were later when, when NC state was kind of sitting on it, but like, yeah, otherwise Armstrong and Concepcion were doing whatever they wanted. Yeah. Two, two players destroyed us. It was Armstrong and, and Concepcion. That, that was it. NC state rushed the ball 47 times in this game. Granted, like you said, a lot of that was towards the end when they were trying to just sit on it and, and eat up clock. Um, four yards per rush on that. Brennan Armstrong, we let this dude throw for two touchdowns, rush for two more. Uh, that we gave up 18 of 26 for to him for 203 yards passing and another 90 yards on the ground. It, it just, and then between him, Concepcion, Concepcion had. He had 44 yards rushing and 63 yards receiving. The the you know, I guess you could say three players killed us. It was or four: Armstrong throwing, Armstrong running, Concepcion running, and then Concepcion catching the ball. It was just yeah. like the, that was that was it. And oh, so painful and so frustrating. And then we a lot of I heard a lot of people chirping about the zone defense when we spent all week talking about, you know, how our man to man is is really good and then we just went out I know, there and, dude. and played French was losing his mind uh on, yeah. on Twitter and whatnot yeah. because there was way too much zone. Four hundred and eight yards allowed total, which is not good against what this offense had been putting up. And I I will give Armstrong credit because this was probably the best game he played since 2021. I, no. yes. <laughs> like there could be one that slips in there, but like from just an overall performance, doing what he needed to do to get his team the victory, it was outstanding. And yeah. so good for him, bad for us, because we really let him do it. And there's, I said on Monday, there's no good way to put this, but Marv got just owned. He got destroyed yeah. in this yeah. game, like Absolutely. carved up by, Robert and I and whoever else is helping out on that offense. I would agree. They, they schemed us up perfectly to mitigate some of most of our most, our most impactful playmakers on defense. They, uh, they schemed around it. That's what exactly what they did. And it, it, it worked. So yeah, the front seven, despite having all those tackle for loss, were pretty awful in the second and third quarter. I mean, and, and they were, worn down as we said the offense was not on the field enough in the first half yep. and it, it it didn't go well later in the game or in that in that middle portion of the game we needed a turnover or two i, I kind of thought that going into it i kept saying it when i'm watching the game in the stance i was like we need a turnover here we we ne it never came and yep. we can never kind of stem the the tide there as far as positive takeaways for the defense i thought jenkins was okay, like uh, in tackling and run support kind of stuff. He had eight tackles, two tackles for loss. Yeah. And there were two tackles for loss for Pollard and our one sack. We did have like some pretty decent pressure on Armstrong yeah. at times, but he's such a gifted runner that he was getting away from He's hard to bring down. Like yep. it's like Tebow-esque. Like that's what it was kind of reminding me of. Yeah, I I would agree. And the the pressure is uh, is good, but you just got to bring it home. I mean, it, it was one at the end. 
it was one sack in the game. Yeah. And that's great that we were getting pressure on him, but you, you end up getting one sack out of all that pressure and you got to bring people down to the ground. You've got to finish it and turn that pressure into real negative yards for them and get them really behind the chains. And right. that, that didn't come in, come into fruition. They always had four yards. Yep. It just like, it felt like every single play they were like, Oh, it's, it's second and six. It's second and three. Like they, yep. they were just constantly ahead of the chains. As far as special teams went, uh, Tootin had that nice return, correct? Yep, fifty so yards. That, that yeah. was that was a highlight, I suppose, and 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 just proves all the more reason you got to get him the ball because yep. when he touches the ball, good things tend to happen. Yep. Do you remember uh, two years ago we go down to Miami? I think Connor Blumrick was our starting quarterback in that rainstorm, mm-hmm. and we we were recording after the game and we're looking at the stat sheet. And Raheem Blackshear, who was one of our best players that year, had two carries yeah. in the game. Mm-hmm. And we're yes. like, what the heck are you doing only getting Raheem two carries? Yes. Well, the very next week against UVA, he had the best game of his career. Yeah. With like 160 yards uh, on, on a bunch of touches. So let's hope that, you know, that frustration from Tootin and Pry looking at what happened is like, this isn't happening again. Because this – a similar thing happened against Marshall, right? Like, didn't we yeah. have this earlier in the year? Yeah, and it kind of makes First of all, it shouldn't happen this way, just so I'm not advocating for this. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense because Tootin's pissed, right? Like, he's, you know that dude is going to be spending all week, like, get me the effing ball. Like, yeah. I, I want the freaking ball. So you can, I will be... I would not be surprised to see him like break out something in like the first quarter and like get like a really long run or even run one out for like a touchdown or something like that. Just that pent up energy of like, fine, you guys don't want to like, give me the ball when I get it, I'm going to make the most of it. Fine. Like, and then they'll start feeding it to him this week, obviously as a, a complete like flip from what happened uh, last week, but I could absolutely see a similar situation playing out. Yeah, it's funny how this this season has gone because we said, you know, this game was the opposite of this game and then the Syracuse yep. game and the Louisville game and, and the opposite of the BC game was this game. And yep. so with the way our season has played out, Tootin having a poor performance this week, the defense having a poor performance this week, God willing, we can get one more week of the flip-flop because yes. <laughs> that's, that's what we need. My other takeaways from the game would just be that uh, I give them credit for fighting back Prize teams tend to fight. They they yep. do tend to fight uh, as he's been here as the head coach, even if we're losing. Yep. I agree. The defensive scheme and effort was bad. Yeah. It, that I just thought we attacked it all of the wrong way. And I, I'm no genius to to tell you how we should have done it differently. It just it just didn't look right and it didn't work. So whatever they did was was pretty wrong. The offense was lifeless for a while they they came on late which was good to see and it was just really disappointing to have bowl eligibility on the line yeah. on a beautiful senior day and just play like that for the first half that was yeah, at home that was the real kind of like bummer of it all it's like how how do you come up we played so well at home this year for the uh-huh. most part yeah. like what happened why why <laughs> i will I will never know these <laughs> these these things. It it it's set up for a situation where you would want to have a really good night, and we just didn't have it. 
we we didn't have it and it was not schemed very well both on, on both sides of the ball i don't like you said i don't know what the solution necessarily is we threw out some ideas here of some things that didn't look right but it it obviously was wrong because nc state do you do you look at this game and think that they all of a sudden have like a great offense i no. don't it's no. not even close. I mean, the stats. They played that. a really good game and they schemed a really good game and yeah. we schemed a bad game. Like, yeah. and we couldn't adjust enough or adjust quickly enough because that score before the half was just devastating. Like that was absolutely crushing because we had just, you know, got the long TD or whatever. But. Yep. All right. Before we move to UVA, I want to tell you that two deep Hokies under the influence is brought to you by Roback. Roback is a performance activewear designed for those who crave activity. It's the same polo company that had the Commonwealth. That's the white polo with the maroon of Virginia's. And it's a shirt Robbie and I are both proud to own. And it makes a lot of sense this week. With the Commonwealth Cup coming up, get yourself the Commonwealth shirt. They also have the Berg, which is the quarter zip maroon with little two-tone maroon Virginia's on there. Beautiful stuff. Christmas is coming. Black Friday is coming. There's going to be deals. There's going to be new selections at Roback. They've got tons of good stuff. Hoodies, tees, quarter zips, shorts, joggers, and of course those polos. So go to their site and load up your cart and use code 2DEEPVT. They're offering our listeners 20% off if you use the code 2DEEPVT. So go ahead and use it. If you've already used it, maybe you tell your mom to use it. Maybe you tell your brother to use it because they're going to get that 20% off too. Yep. So go to their site and do your thing. Roback Crave Activity. Right now, Rob, I need to know if you're drinking anything over there. I am not. I just got, I've got green tea tonight. So that's, that's what I'm rolling with. So I'm interested to see what you have got going on. Are you ready there. for this? I'm ready. Oh, wow. You brought it out. The it's GBS. That time. The GBS. Wow. <laughs> and I know it, it is pre-Thanksgiving, but the gingerbread stout, it works. We're we're close enough to, to Thanksgiving, just two days away here for me to do the GBS. And it is, it pours dark, it pours smooth. This is not this year's edition. I don't Ooh. even think it's last year's edition. I think it might be two years old. It's aged. Yeah, you can save these things. Yes. Like, and, and they... They stay good, man. This thing is they get better, f- phenomenal. Yeah, if you if you get, especially if you go out and get like a Kentucky bourbon stout uh, and or one of those from Hardywood, throw that thing in your cellar. Forget about it for a couple of years, and you will be loving life uh, even more than you normally would with uh, any of the uh, GBS or, or the Bourbon County, any of those. I've got a Christmas morning in my fridge. Ooh. Not the Kentucky, but just the traditional. I am going to go searching. There is a one store not too far from me that gets the Kentucky Christmas morning that I'm going to yeah. have to go see if they've gotten it in yet. Give your the- wife your keys whenever you have that thing because it <laughs> will knock you on your ass. It is. I think it's like, I don't know. It's like over 10%. And it's yeah, a I think it's a, it's a bomber bottle. It'll, it'll take it's you out. 10 or 11, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. This one is 92 it's an imperial milk stout with cinnamon, vanilla, ginger, and honey. Yes, that sounds like a lot of stuff, but all of those flavors mesh together quite well. And it says this was canned on 9-22-2021. Wow. So it is, it is over two years old, but it tastes absolutely phenomenal. I've got it in the Guinness glass. And, 
you know, we, we ragged on Hardywood a little bit for their ho- fighting Hokies lager. This is probably the best thing that they do. Other okay. than I, I know some of my boys will say the Kentucky Christmas morning is better from a, a wider like yeah. panel of people. I think people just love the GBS and, and it's usually phenomenal. Yeah. Some people don't like the Kentucky because it, it, it is a hefty, hefty, like, <laughs> like you know, a it's, hefty drink. It, yeah. It, I remember. Oof. That first sip is always like, whoa. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, that Kentucky bourbon hits you, like, when you taste it, you're like, oof, okay, I guess it's the holiday season because I'm gonna, not going to be able to see straight. Yeah. And I also felt that just doing a Hardywood, a Virginia beer, was yeah. appropriate for the, the Commonwealth Clash. If you look behind me, if you're watching, I've got my Our State flag draped over the beanbag back here. Ooh, Lucky I like Birds that. on top. Uh, I was showing that on, on College Football Monday a couple times. I am ready for this, Rob. I am right. so ready for the UVA game. I, I said on Monday it's going to be a three and a half hour stomach ache, but I don't care because I, I just I need to I need to see it. I, I can't wait to to see how we show up, and I want to beat them so so bad. Eleven twenty five, three thirty p.m. on ACC Network. Lane Stadium North is the venue, mm-hmm. and I know that that Hack said there's going to be a lot of Hokies there. I know there's going to be a lot of Hokies there, and I. I, I can't wait to see you guys show out on Saturday. It's always uh, it's always a packed house, and it always pisses off the UVA fans with how many Hokies show up. It's it's it never gets old. I love it every single and time. It, and it's even like a little extra special this year because we missed it last year. Yep. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't get because of the uh, UVA. Yeah, the uh, Charlottesville. Uh, you know stuff that the went tragedy down. that went down at UVA. Mm-hmm. I made those players rest in peace, uh, but we we missed the game. They canceled the game, which was appropriate, but we're getting it back. And I I would bet maybe, maybe I'm sure they've done this, but there's probably going to be some kind of ceremony yes. or something, right? Like you would, yes, I, would, I would think so. Yeah, I would absolutely think so. Because I think if they were going to do something, my guess would be if UVA was going to do something this year, they would do it for this game. So yeah, yeah as like a, you know, a, a memorial moment or whatever the case may be. They are coached by Tony Elliott. He is six and fifteen in year two. This year they are three and eight. They have wins over William and Mary, UNC, and Duke. And they notably beat UNC when they were a top ten team. UNC yeah. is no longer a top ten team. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And I'll give UVA credit for knocking them off that perch, but UNC might have been slightly fraudulent at the time of that yeah. that game taking place. It's been a reasonably tough schedule for them. It depends on where you look because some of the places have it pretty close to our strength of schedule. Other places have them way higher. They played Tennessee. They played JMU, and they lost by one. And JMU was an undefeated team until last week. And they lost at Maryland in that yep. game where Calandria threw a bunch of picks in a row. So their out-of-conference was, was pretty challenging, save for William and & Mary. And if you want to go through their computer rankings, I got them at 92 in Cali. 84 in Sagarin, 81 in FPI, and I think they're 96 in SP+. But if you look at ours, it's about 25 to 30 spots higher on virtually every ranking. So wow. it's it's sizable. Like the, And I'll just – I won't give you the, the full rundown, but just the point spread for SP+, it's mm-hmm. about eight points in text. Wow. So, that is much higher than I would have thought of for a game where you got to throw the records out. Yeah, and it doesn't mean anything. Those those things mm-hmm. will not mean anything when we go up. But it's that's just to frame it for how the seasons have gone for both teams. 
that's we have looked like the better team. And yeah. if this was in lane, we would probably be decent, like maybe a touchdown favorite, but it's not. We have to go yeah. on the road and we've only won what one game on the road. It was a nice win. Yes. <laughs> and it, and it just happened. But do you and, think they're going to be waking them up early again this time? Yeah. And I think you, UVA, I think they're coming off of, um, and Calandria is coming off of probably their best game of the season uh, against Duke uh, in terms of his performance yeah. and their performance uh, offensively. And, and quite frankly, it was really two games in a row because they had Louisville uh, before that. They did lose that game, but it was um, they they showed pretty well. I mean, they 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 showed better than we did against that team. I'll tell you that much. Um, so it they um, sure did. Yeah. So um, and then they they go kind of I'll say knock off Duke. Duke the 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 hype is uh, long past uh, when uh, when Duke lost its quarterback. So that's really kind of fallen off. But it's still a solid team. But I, I I joke as we get into this, but I'm hesitant to say anything bad about this team because so far this year, every time we've like ripped on like a team, like one side of the ball or the other, somehow that like that ends up like showing up in particular, most recently with NC state's abysmal offense. Right. Uh, which, right. Uh, so, and it worked out for us playing BC's defense like that, yep. like it yep. has worked out and it has not worked out just, yes. just yep. like every year. But yep. yeah, they NC State made us look a little foolish with how well they played offense. But I'm gonna blame Chris Marr for that one. I agree. <laughs> he gets paid the big bucks, so <laughs> we can we we can make, we can put that on him. But yeah, Calandria is coming off a really nice game against Duke. The game before that against Louisville was solid, and I think what was it, 377 yards passing last week, yeah. and a tremendous passer rating. 63% completion percentage uh, on the year. Uh, That's what it brought him up to. But that in that game, I don't know what, I think it was like, might have it was like 70% like 70, or something. 70, like 72%. It was his highest completion percentage, obviously, for the, the year. But it was a really nice day. It's been weird for him because when we saw him against JMU, that was the first time we really saw Calandria. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, wow, this, this kid can play. Like, he should be playing for them. And he made some mistakes. He made some mistakes in the Maryland game. He ultimately got benched for Musket once Musket was healthy again. And I thought that was a mistake. I thought, you know, you're not having a good season. He's the young kid. You should just be playing Calandria. And lo and behold, they went back to him. And if you look at his QBR for the season, it is third in the ACC. It's it's Jordan Travis, it's Drake May, and it's Calandria. Like that – his passer rating would be about fifth, but his QBR is third. And so it's it's pretty crazy how well he's – if you just looking at the numbers comparisons between him and Jerome's, like this kid's had a much better year. Like, yeah. he, I, I mean, he's thrown more interceptions, yes. but he's also produced a lot more. A lot more, yeah. So, that makes sense. And in less games, really. Like he he's he's been on the field for less games than Jerome's. So – He's good. And I, I am worried about him. He is prone to mistakes. He will take sacks. There mm-hmm. are ways that we can make it a long night for him, but objectively he's been very good at wide receiver is even more terrifying. <laughs> oh no. Well, we just saw what happens when somebody really only has, and I, this UVA has more than one. They mm-hmm. have Malik Washington and they have Malachi Fields. So they have two good wide receivers. Um, but Malik Washington 
um, is up for a lot of awards this year. He's got 96 receptions and 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, so 1,300 a, yards in 11 games, man. It, it, crazy. It's, it's, he's second in the country in yards per game at yeah. UVA. Like they're not, they don't even have like this like crazy, crazy good offense. No, I think. No. What are they? They're 86th in yards per play, and this kid's yeah. second in the country in receiving. Those two receivers combined have 2,000 yards on the year already. Yeah, there's a game, and, and maybe well, not, they're not going to get two games, but there's a game left. So it, it's been crazy, and their running backs are good too. Like. They they did lose Paris Jones to the unfortunate injury at Louisville, but Hollins and Kobe Pace are good back. Pace is the kid that came in from Clemson. They've got some good numbers. Hollins has seven touchdowns. That's that's a decent amount of skill talent. I was not expecting that. I I don't know how their offense isn't ranked higher given the production that they've gotten. From that that quarterback, granted he hasn't played as many games, um, and with two wide receivers, and then their running backs are not exceptional. We have faced tougher running backs That's throughout true. this yeah. season, but they are they are very they're good. They're not they're not bad. They're not like you know bottom dwellers, but they're and they're not elite, but they're really good, solid you know running backs. I this is an anomaly that I have no idea, and I would love to know statistically how it's possible that their offense isn't actually better than it is. It's I'll weird. tell you. I'll, I'll try to explain it in in two different ways. One, their offensive line isn't good. They, yeah. They're 123rd in yards per rush, 126th in TFL allowed, and 118th in sacks allowed. Yeah. And on third down, they're 103rd. Now, I think we're worse than them, but yes. they are also not a good third down team. So that will hinder your your overall output. When I look at the overall offense, that that 123 yards per rush stands out. That has been a weak point for us is the rushing defense. This team, not the best rushing team. I'm more worried again about the quarterback running. Like I was with Brendan Armstrong. I'm worried about Calandria's running ability because he has shown that wiggle, that, that burst of speed, that juking ability to make plays. So that's what worries me. Honestly, Malik is number one. Yeah. Calandria running is number three, number two. And so number three would be just him distributing the ball well. But we have to put pressure on this kid. We have to take advantage of this offensive line and put some pressure on him. Yeah, I would agree. And, and the only team that's had any success at shutting down um, Malik Washington this year is Tennessee. So he, they held him to 30 yards um, on four catches in that game. Um, that was also the first game of the season. It was early, yeah. That that doesn't mean anything. And then he went and ripped off 120, 140, 170, 100, 112, 115. He's had over 100 in every game except right. the BC uh, since then. Um, it, it's wild. You know, so, you know Ollie Gordon from Oklahoma State, the running back who's been yeah. like blowing up? In the South, was it South Alabama game that they lost, mm-hmm. he had like 18 yards. And ever since then, he's been running for like 200 yards a game. Like those yeah. early games, sometimes you yeah. haven't figured out your offense yet. And so Malik yeah. is going to get catches and yards. We got to hope Dorian is up to the challenge. We got to hope if if Canteen's playing safety, yep. you know, that means we, we've got our corners out there, Delane and, and, and Dorian, trying to do their thing against these guys. Uh, I, I'm hoping we can get some of our safeties back <laughs> Yeah, for multiple and, reasons. Yeah. And I would say equally as frightening is 
that it's the fact that Malachi Fields has also been consistent in every single game. He had one bad game that was against UNC where he had one catch for 13 yards. Okay. Every other game he's been consistently between 60 and 95 yards. So like they are both like they're together. They are consistently 200 yards between those two, almost every single game, which is that's nuts. Um, yeah, that is. So, um, yeah. All right, well, the, the, this is the, making the, me too like, nervous. Let's move to the defense. Let's <laughs> let's talk about something that's a little bit more right. palatable, okay? Because this defense is 90th in yards per play, and it's honestly been a disappointment if you go into the projections on the year because they had a pretty good defense last year, despite not being a very good team. They were 20th in yards per play a year ago, and now they're 90th. They're 111th in scoring, 117th, and this is the best one, 117th in yards per rush allowed. Wow. That is huge for a team in Virginia Tech that needs to establish the run. So that that's a huge positive. They're giving up 178 yards per game on the ground. They are better against the pass, about 60th in pass efficiency allowed, but no sacks. 132nd in sacks, Robbie. There's 133 teams. They yeah. they have not generated sacks. They have not generated tackles for loss. Yeah, 11 sacks on the year. That is not a lot. Uh, so <laughs> one against <laughs> well, one per game is is not not great. They have eight interceptions, and then they um, their turnover ratio I think is like minus 0.5 or something along those lines. So a very bad uh, turnover ratio. Um, as well, because they only have five, five fumble recoveries. So not, not a habit creating team. Um, and honestly, I don't know how the defense, like you said, they had a really good defense last year. And I, I just don't understand what ended up happening and how things fell off so dramatically uh, from one year to the next. And this I don't have a good answer for because they brought back essentially their entire defensive line. It was full yeah. of seniors. Cam Butler, Carter, Famoy, Bennett. And overall, like you said, the turnover thing, it's 107th in turnover margin. They're not creating the havoc that leads to a ton of turnovers on the DL. And they're getting run all over. Yep. The linebackers seem okay too. So yeah. all of this is like a little, it's a little confounding, but you have to keep in mind when you have a team that's bad like this, that's down like this, that's, having other teams run a lot of plays like you can rack up tackles and statistics and still not be a good defense. But yeah. James Jackson, he's second on the team in tackles. He's their, their stud linebacker, six hurries. I don't know if he's a stud. He's, he's okay. Like he's probably yeah. an okay linebacker, but Cam Robinson, I think is the bright spot. Like he's yeah. a freshman four and a half tackles for loss, four hurries, two interceptions, like for a freshman. Yeah. That's good. Like he yeah. seems to be, the hope for them in the future. They could really use Nick Jackson, the kid that was on the team last year. I think he transferred to Iowa, yep. but it's just not a very good defense. The best player on this team. Well, who's, who's the best player on the defense? <sighs> the best player on this defense. Um, I don't, I, I would, I don't know if I would, I'd maybe cam or probably, um, Sanker, right? Their safety, I think is pretty good. Uh, yeah. I, Sanker, I'd probably say Sanker. Good. He, yeah. Cause he's been around and he's got 10, I mean, he's got 10 passes defended. The next highest on the team is five, um, mm -hmm. amongst them. And he granted. So let's, let's stray away from like 
tackles because to your yeah. point, right? The tackle numbers, you almost can have more tackles just by being a shitty team than anything else. That's <laughs> right. like, you know, you haven't really pad your stats. Um, passes defended, I think is a, a legit statistic, but he doesn't have any interceptions, right? So he, he hasn't been creating much havoc. So I would probably go with him or maybe Cam. Um, yeah. in Those are probably the two, like you could say, Famoy, like he he has three pass breakups as a lineman, three hurries and six and a half tackles for loss. And he is also a senior. Yep. Sanker's been around forever, leads the team. He has 65 solo tackles. And that to yep. me, when when you putting up those kind of solo numbers, like that's impressive. And you you said the thing about the pass breakups, three forced fumbles, no interceptions, but he does have three forced fumbles. So yep. Sanker, I think, is their, is their number one guy at yep. safety. So that's someone to look out for. But we've we've shown to have weapons, whether it's our wide receivers Gosnell and Felton and lane, or even Daquan Wright getting in there and, and making plays like, well, I know their pass defense is better than the rush defense. So hopefully we're only using our pass game in the auxiliary. And that's when we're at our best. You look at that NC state game. It was not the passing that got us into really hot water in that game. It was our inability to establish the run. If this, when this Virginia Tech team is, and I know this is not the most you know enlightening thing to say, but it's it holds very very true for Virginia Tech, unfortunately, because there are teams out there that can rely on their pass. We are not one, and we have never been one, but. When the run is going well and Tootin is getting the ball and he can get spelled by Malachi, then this team is usually good. It's in yeah. good shape on the offensive side. And the pass, you know, we've had games where drones has been, you know, not good or not great. And we've been, we've told him, or we've said, like, you know, he's still developing. It's very early. And we've played fine in those games offensively. Um, when Tootin and Malachi are getting the ball and the offensive line is creating something, not like big holes, but creating something to keep them and give them, you know, some space to make, to make them cut or make a move or make somebody miss. Without a doubt, dude, I, I, I agree with all that stuff. And the, the one thing that's working in our favor, we talked about our safeties or DBs being bagged up. They have a banged up DB in Cohen King. He has been pretty good this year. Fourth on the team in tackles, a bunch of pass breakups. He's out. And so, and they lost another guy, Clary, earlier in the year, another back end guy. So, yeah, this is the last game of the year. Teams are banged up. You're going out there. You're trying to see what you can do with all hands on deck. And if I'm doing this as a keys to the game kind of thing, we need to feed Bashal Tootin in this game. It's yeah. him. Run drones into the ground, run Tootin into the ground. It's the last, potentially the last freaking game of the year. And if nothing else, it's the last game until we uh, several weeks later when we go to a bowl. So freaking run the ball, open up the pass, and we should be able to move the ball and get some points. It's funny because when we talked about this game in the summer, I thought we'd be seeing their backup QB. I didn't think Musket would make it through the year. I wrote that down, but I thought it would be Wolfork. I didn't even know who Calandria was. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, I guess... Um... Well, I guess we're about to uh, find out. So three, three, three quarterbacks. We ended up getting one of them, but neither of the two you ever really like. You know, <laughs> right, probably right. would expect. Uh, and um, it's strange. Our opponents have have been 
flipping a lot of uh, kind of quarterbacks. Uh, we just saw Brennan after he got benched and then he came back in and all those yeah, sorts of things. And it's, um, in some ways, I, it makes me uncomfortable because I'd rather have more film on a guy over the course of the year, even though that means more reps for him, rather than coming in and, and having somebody that, um, you know, hasn't been playing every game, but you know, that's just, that's just my preference. I think the skill town on UVA is, it's pretty good. Honestly, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty good. It, it might be better than ours, or at least on the very same level, because we've, we've said throughout the year that the guys we brought in the portal without them, I don't know where we'd be mm-hmm. because they accounted for most of our touchdowns this year. No. I think UVA is pretty much on our level with the amount of running backs and wide receivers that can make plays, but their O-line is terrible. We're very similar teams. Like we both have (laughs) dynamic quarterbacks, both have terrible O-lines, both have pretty good skill talent. It's, it's weird, right? But our defense from an overall number standpoint is significantly better. Yeah. It's significantly better. And so as an overall team, we should be able to shut them down. We need to stuff Calandria in a freaking locker. That's what yeah. we need to do. We need to hit him, make him feel pain, force him into mistakes, uh, get a turnover or two. He has shown to give away the ball. Yep. We have to make him give away the ball. If we get one or two turnovers, we're going to win this game. Yep. Final thoughts? Beat UVA. <laughs> keep it simple <laughs> keep it simple stupid uh keep... as they say uh no i agree with all of that and um i mostly the biggest takeaway for me is we just got to get toot and rolling if we can get toot and rolling we'll be fine i think in this game i think they're the defense is going to want to show up after that that mess that was last week yeah. and i think that they have shown a propensity to bounce back from bad games all season uh, and come back and put a good performance on the field. And I think they will do so again this week. Uh, whether or not we plan to feed the ball to Tootin and give it to him enough is a question mark that I don't think you and I can really um, take a guess at. That really comes down to what we end up scheming that day. I'm very curious as to how Pry handles his first Commonwealth Cup. Yeah, because it's it's a lot. It, you have to find a way to make it more important than another game with the way you motivate, with the way you get them ready for game time. But fortunately for us, Tony Elliott's going through the exact same thing. He both of these coaches, it's their first Commonwealth clash and Commonwealth Cup. So it's uh It'll be interesting. I think Pry's up to the challenge. I think he has shown he's he went to high school in Virginia. All he does is talk about recruiting the state. I think he values it even more than Tony Elliott does from from my maroon and orange class side of side of it. So I think he will have us focused and ready to play and and make sure the players know how important this game is. I think what's also interesting about Pry is you talk about handling his first Commonwealth Cup. He comes from a school that doesn't really have a rivalry like this in Penn State. So Penn State doesn't really, yeah, like Maryland is a rival of theirs, but like their biggest rival is Ohio State and Ohio State doesn't think of Penn State as a rival, right? They don't, they don't have a year end clash in Ohio State, you know, Michigan, you know, Oklahoma. That's a really good point. It's, 
Um, Penn State doesn't have that. That's actually one of the things that, you know, kind of that school lacks and has been trying to get back with like the pit game. That's why they've started rescheduling that and the WVU game and things like that. Because um, so it's got to be kind of exciting for him to have this level of, you know, uh, energy around a singular game in which, you know, most people, a lot of people can look at the the season and say, we got to six wins and we beat UVA. That's a successful season. Whereas if you get to six wins and you lose against UVA, somebody might be turning around saying, you know, we made up to a bowl, but I would have rather beat UVA. It's also funny because before Penn State, Franklin and Pry were at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Another team that doesn't really have a rivalry game. Whereas Tony Elliott was at Clemson, who has a big rivalry with South Carolina. Yeah. We're, we're kind of stretching here, but it's an interesting point that you bring up. Uh, yeah, I'm not thinking about it game theory wise. It's just interesting for Pry going into the game. It's just kind absolutely, of, you know, it's a it's an interesting talking line to that. And to you know, the point was, what's his energy going to be like for the game? I think that's that's part of it. This is the first time kind of for him in a while. One thing we know about Pry, and some people can see it as a detriment. Like he's great in front of a microphone, but maybe he doesn't always bring the results. He is great at talking. Pry mm-hmm. is very good and skilled at choosing words and presenting topics verbally <laughs> something that it took both of us a little while to get the hang of it's very so, articulate that's for sure so i think he will find a way to communicate what he needs to to these players the line on the game is virginia tech minus three it was two and a half i think yesterday i just saw a little bit ago it was vt minus three on the road so I'm never going to argue with being a favorite. It's nope. I'm okay with that. Let's move to our other games for picks. We talked a little bit about the Ohio State-Michigan game. Michigan, three-and-a-half-point favorites in the big house. What are you thinking on this one, Rob? Are you taking the hook or are you, are you laying them? I'm, I'm laying the points. You still believe in Big Blue? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think I do. <laughs> That's I where I was I a couple of days ago. Is that I was like, I still think, at the end of the day, like McCord is going to struggle against this defense. And I believe it was Tom Fernelli pointed out, like last year, the week before the Michigan Ohio State game, Michigan struggled with Illinois, hmm. and and Michigan, Illinois was a better team than this Maryland team. But it was yeah. on the road. It's a Big Ten game. It's the week. It's a look ahead spot. They don't have their coach. So I'm going to forgive them for it. And yeah. I'm going to go with what I've been thinking all year. I'm going to go with Michigan to cover as well. UK at Louisville. Louisville, six and a half point favorites in a game that has been tough for them over yeah. the last decade or so. They've all, they seem to have struggled with Kentucky. What are you doing here? I don't think they're going to struggle this year. So I think oh. they'll, they'll win this game by 10 points. Or no, I think they're going to be manage to to suffocate UK a bit with uh, with that defense. Yeah, my first inclination was to take UK because it's like, okay, rivalry, UK has been owning them. But they're, they're a little bit of a mess right now. Yeah. And Louisville's got a lot on the line. In, in their eyes, they still have a shot at the playoff. And mm-hmm. and I I think the pit loss kind of eliminates them, yeah. but in their eyes they still have a shot at the playoff. And so I'm going to take Louisville as well. Alabama at Auburn, the Iron Bowl, fourteen and a half point underdogs. 
are the Tigers at home. And I'll go first this time. I'm taking Auburn. Me as well. They did just take that loss. <laughs> that was to so such a bad New loss. Mexico State. It, how does that happen? They they steamroll. Are first of all, they steamroll Mississippi State. Okay, Vanderbilt. Okay, they steamroll Arkansas, which is which is a halfway decent team, right? Like forty eight to ten, and then you turn around and then you have the New Mexico, New Mexico State. You lose thirty one to ten. It's just uh, anyway. They were I'm looking thinking, ahead. They weren't. They're not that great to be able to overlook an opponent and play well. And they yeah. overlooked New Mexico State without a doubt. That's what happened. I used to always think the look ahead was a bunch of BS until I started paying attention to post-game conferences. And then you hear players and they say, yeah, we were, they'll be honest. They're not just like making up excuses. And they'll be like, yeah, we were really thinking about the game ahead. Um, yeah. And I was like, holy shit, even at this level of football, these people are like looking ahead to the, like the following week. And it's like, dude, keep your eye. Like you see what happens every week. Anyway, uh, I'm going with Auburn. Arizona at Arizona State. The duel in the desert. Arizona State, 12 and a half point underdogs at home. Man, this is another one where I want to take the home dog. Like I, Arizona has been so good. They have had such a promising season. But 12 and a half in a rivalry game for a team like ASU that has been fighting, I'm going to take ASU. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go ASU as well. The party school is going to bring it. <laughs> They're both um, party schools. <laughs> that's their fault. ASU is a different level now, but that's yeah, true. So, that's true. Yeah. Oh gosh. I hope they, yeah, hopefully nobody hears that. You know, they'll probably get like pissed off about that and which one's a big party school. And which one isn't. Uh, <laughs> it's so anyway. funny to think about that. Jaden Daniels, who's potentially going to win the Heisman was an Arizona state quarterback just a few years ago, throwing touchdown passes to Brandon Ayuk, who's on, who's on the 49ers. Like it's like, that's how long Jaden Daniels has been in school. Oh my gosh. Washington state at Washington, the apple cup, apple cup, Washington, Washington is at home and they are 17 and a half point favorite. So we got a home favorite here, similar to Michigan, the undefeated team at home, Wazoo got a big win over Colorado last week. They yes. they put the smack down. Do we get a little do we get a little apple cup crazy here? <laughs> I'm going Washington State. And the reason Cougs is too. I'm going Cougs. The, the reason is one, that's too many points. And two, if I pick Washington to blow out Washington State, there's a good chance they're gonna lose the game outright in some <laughs> apple cup craziness. And then like I'm really dead in the water on this whole uh this Washington gig I've been on uh, all season. So Yeah, and I don't have like the egg bowl on here because it wasn't uh um, yeah. I don't think it was in the list. But the last game I have it here to pick is Florida State at Florida. I love the egg bowl and it's always on on Thanksgiving night, correct? Yeah. So like it's yeah. it's one of the few games that comes on and, and that Thursday and Friday. Florida State at Florida, though. Florida, six and a half point underdogs, another home dog. Florida State without their quarterback. They're going to have Tate Rodemaker behind center. Mm-hmm. I, man, this is one of those. I feel like Florida State, like, what do you, do you think? How different do you think the line is with, with Travis? So that's what I was literally about to ask you that exact <laughs> same question. I think that this is like a 12 and a half point spread with him in the game. Um, is I think he's probably good for six points. So 
I'm still going to take Florida State here just because there's just so much there's so much talent on that yeah. team, and I think that I think they can still do it. The swamp is a very tough place to win. It, yeah. it I mean, I, and no, Florida's not having a great season, and other teams go in there and win, but. I'm just I'm trying to envision the game and I'm like, am I gonna be regretting me taking Florida State like two quarters into this thing when Florida's up by, you know, ten points? And you're uh, like, Travis is out, of course I should. Yeah, right, point. right, like, exactly. Like, like it was just like a no brainer. Right? It's funny how that always happens when you're like you figure out exactly what you should have done a quarter yeah. into the game. Uh I think the studs on the D line for Florida State will be too much. Cause it you have to also remember Mertz is out. Yeah. For Florida. Exactly. So yes. I'm taking FSU. Both teams are limping into this thing. Yeah. And and one of them has been much, much better all season long. So and that'll well do round, it. And well rounded. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They've got they got talent all over the field. Rodemaker is coming in and he's got like a sick receiving core. Hopefully the center for Florida State is back because he was he's uh questionable right now. But either way, good episode. It is hate week. I am so ready to watch this game. I want to get this win so badly. We had the tweet from Hokie Hangover that came out earlier in the week that was, if we beat UVA and go to a bowl, is this a successful season? And if we lose, is it not? Basically, like, if we go five and seven, Mm -hmm. is it a failure? Yeah. And it got so much, so much talk on Twitter, on chats all all kinds of stuff people people were mentioning talking about it like what what's the definition of failure blah blah blah. i put out my two cents on it but let's make it irrelevant (laughs) let's let's just let's just make it irrelevant because i don't i don't want anyone to say that a a season in which we find a quarterback and are recruiting a little bit better Got guys out of the portal that are pretty darn good. Show some depth in wide receiver. Right. We turn things around. The offense seems to have found something. Like, that shouldn't be a failure. But leave no doubt. Go out there, beat UVA, say we beat our rival, we're going to a bowl in year two. You can't call it a failure. Let's do that. (laughs) Let's make that the final chapter in this story because ending the season last year with the win over Liberty for as bad as last year went felt really good. Yep. So let's end this regular season with a win over a different in-state team. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, all those places. And also I've said hate week is subscriber week for the sons of Saturday, YouTube channel, all of Robbie and I's podcast, all of the college football Mondays, all of Billy's stuff, all of, Mike McDaniel and Ed stuff. All of it goes to the YouTube channel. You can't miss it. You're going to get so much content if you're subscribed. So please, please subscribe. And you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DeepVT. Make sure you're following us on there. 2DeepVT at gmail.com if you want to send us anything. And until next time when we are celebrating being bowl eligible and Robbie's fish is swimming, (laughs) living life, Doing just laps all around the bowl. <laughs> Go Hokies.